everybody, I'm Mike Gerbens, and welcome to It's Your Water. I'm glad you found us. Today, we have a special guest here to discuss an extremely innovative media to treat arsenic and heavy metals. Plus, we're going to have a sidebar discussion on some radiologicals, some fun, geeky stuff that we love to talk about. And, you know, we've used this product for uh, quite a while, and we wanted to invite a special guest who's uh, Bennett Bookshieb from Graver Technologies. Uh, Graver manufactures this material, which is called Metsorb. And uh, hi, Bennett, and uh, welcome to It's Your Water. And um, can you give us a quick history about yourself and Graver Company, if you could? Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh Really appreciate it. So I'll start off with uh, talking a bit about Marmon and uh, Graver, which produces the media. And well, actually, we are a part of Warren Buffett's group. Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. So I believe that does give a lot of credibility to how he wants to run his business. And, um, and it's, it's obviously a very critical component as a lot of distributors have seen out there, but specific to Graver who manufactures the media. Oh, that was started in the 1800s as they figured out a way of, uh, getting the scale out of the steam locomotives. So they've really kind of associated with the water business for well over a hundred years. That's crazy. Uh, You hear about these companies and, you know, Graver, they have a pretty big name out there and maybe a lot of my listeners don't know about them. So, but that's, that's really interesting how ancient they are. I mean, steam, you know, the, the locomotives and here in Delaware County where we're based, was the Baldwin Locomotive Works. So I'm sure they had something to do with that too. So, but uh, that's neat. So carry on. Sorry, I jumped right in. (laughs) Not a problem. Well, in addition to the Metsorb media, which is mainly focused on metals removal, uh, we do get involved with organics, just overall filtration, Mm -hmm. and um, a focus on an industrial the municipal markets, and really point of use, point of entry systems through our multiple divisions. Mm-hmm. How about you? Uh, how did you get involved with, well, say Graver, but the water industry? What was your pathway here? Oh, my pathway was um, getting my undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering. And then from there, I got into the hydronic HVAC side of things. And knowing that that was a municipal, it was really a bidding type of projects. Uh, It gave me the knowledge base to move into municipal water and wastewater treatment. And through that, seeing a tremendous amount of the overall infrastructure uh, from pipes to valves to controls to vessels, clarification, and then ultimately into remediation uh-huh. where there's organics and metals removal uh, where I was first introduced to Metsorb. And then from there, it was really intriguing enough to really realize I, I need to go to work with them and help them out. And that's where it's, it's, it's been a beautiful combination. I've been able to help them out tremendously mm-hmm. in going to market because it has a very unique 
properties uh, compared to other medias out there. And that's the, you know, and that's where we're headed. You've helped me out quite a bit. A lot of my guys think, oh man, Mike knows so much. No, Mike knows a lot of smart people. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the thing. And uh, I tend to retain the little bits and pearls of wisdom that people like yourself uh, give me. And I uh, share that with everybody. And that's why we do this podcast. Um, so we can share and uh, show them new products um, that this isn't necessarily new, but it may be new to them. And where we use it mostly is arsenic removal. And that's why we're talking here is uh, to get the Metsorb HMRG. It's a titanium oxide product. It's an adsorbent. So what makes titanium oxide work for arsenic? What's the, the positive properties of this thing? Yeah, that's really a, a, a critical and, and key question uh, because out of the metals removal medias, they're all metals based. And the most, there are others out there. Uh, we all know that. Mm -hmm. The most prevalent ones are ferric oxide, rust, agglomerated, and then activated aluminum. Um, they. Uh, can have benefits when it comes to um, costs associated, but they have downside in regards to their ability um, to stay together uh, in regards to ferric oxide. Staining um, is an issue. Well, aluminum oxide with uh, aluminum coming off um, and being part of the water stream that, that, that gets drank. And with titanium, there isn't that issue. Uh, the other benefits are that with the titanium dioxide, it holds on to the metals that it comes in contact with stronger than activated alumina and even more than ferric. Uh -huh. So it's a very strong adsorbent. And just so that uh, we're very clear on adsorption as compared to ion exchange or GAC, right? it doesn't exchange anything. Therefore, there isn't preference. If one metal that can hold on harder comes along, it will not kick off another metal, Aha. which is different than ion exchange. Aha. Yeah, and that's, that's key, everybody. That's why I like this product. It's very interesting. So the selectivity is... I mean, it's still an issue. We would probably like arsenic five over arsenic three. I understand, right? To, or is it doesn't matter? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But you generally get about sixty percent less life on the arsenic three. But on startup, should always be non-detect. Got it. Uh, that's that's the criteria. You should never see anything other than non-detect on startup. So that does, that makes you very unique to uh, the resin-based adsorbents out there. So that's why I, I prefer this product. Uh, it's somewhat forgiving. And one little tidbit is titanium oxide is pure white, kind of a granular product, right? Yes, it is. It's a fine granular product. Oh, uh, okay. And um, it has the properties of it as far as applying it i dumped into arsenic three and arsenic five but some people are saying like 
well, what the hell is he talking about there? But it's the valence of the arsenic, uh, and you can change that with oxidation. So it kind of prefers the one over the other. So. Yes. Yes. However, uh, one of the benefits in being in the point of use, point of entry markets uh, with the media is that we have the capacity to take up arsenic three greater than all the other medias out there. Gotcha. So if, if you don't want to go through the process of converting the speciation from arsenic three to arsenic five, if it even exists in the water quality, which costs a lot more money, oh yeah, then then you generally want to use something that uh, will take up both pretty consistently. Gotcha. And as goes back to the uh, application, a full water analysis. I preach this, uh, Bennett, all the time. Is I, I I want full water analysis from people. Let's talk about applying this media. Most of my listeners are residential people with uh, contact times that could range from two minutes up to four hours because nobody's using the water intermittently. So uh, using this, how's the best way to apply and what other real competition that we have to look out for when we're applying this to Mr. or Mrs. Homeowner's house with a little bit of arsenic in there? Yeah, so the metals that you really want to look out for are iron and manganese. They will take up sites. And in addition, uh, those two metals are so easy to take out that you generally want to pre-treat for them. And there are a number of different ways out there um, in the point of entry to do that. And let me see if I can explain that on what direction we should go. Mm -hmm. There is a softening approach using a lot of salt in order to take out iron and manganese. The other way is to use a media that specifically goes after the iron and manganese mm -hmm. exclusively. Now, a lot of people do want to go softening because they're like, oh, you're going to soften water at the same time. Here comes the rub. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring up here. <laughs> <laughs> The Metsor media likes hardness in the water. Yeah. If you put it after a softener, you'll see at least a 15% reduction in bed life. Uh -huh. So you want to the best of your ability, put it ahead of softening. Mm -hmm. So, and then you go, but, but if there is the iron and manganese, uh, there, there are two approaches. Use a media to take out the iron and manganese or, do the lesser of two evils and put the medsorb after the softener because there's just so much iron in front and the customer. Yeah, it'll kill it. Plus the customer says, Oh my God, I have to have softening. Oh yeah. Hey, you know, that's the major part of your business is the softening part. And if they require it and they require it and you just accept that the life will be reduced. Well, this is where I preach you know, on all my podcasts. It's in, why it's kind of important. There's always action and reaction. There's just no free lunch out there and no miracle media that's just does it all. And here we have an action and a reaction softening, basically uh, taking some of the capacity out of this media. But yes. here's something else for everybody to think about out there. If you have iron in your water, 
and you're using manganese uh, dioxide material like uh, green sand, um, you know, Cadillac slide, uh, and uh, Pyrolox Advantage. Um, they all have that um, material of manganese dioxide, which if there's iron in the water, it can complex with the arsenic in the water and you'll actually get some removal capabilities from these green sands and these uh, manganese dioxide materials, which would lend the metsorb to have a good long life if indeed that's happening. But you got to be careful of the capacity or the loading factor on your green sand. It's not going to go forever and hold your arsenic forever. So testing is important there. But that's these crazy you know, interactions that we have with chemistry in the water that that make it important to really get a full water analysis before you apply anything. And you talk to people like me or Bennett, and we set you straight with things that we've learned. So that's a huge pearl of wisdom here is no softening. But if you agree, you could use a manganese dioxide material to take out your iron and manganese, and you also get a free, maybe, possibly some well, actually, you'll get a good amount of removal of the arsenic, but you'll change the arsenic 3 over to arsenic 5. And because you're oxidizing, and now your metsorb will be even more lazy because it has, you know, maybe a lot less arsenic to see. And the valence is set to 5, which favors almost all these technologies for arsenic removal. If you, am I correct here, Bennett? Yes. Yeah. Okay. See, that's why this podcast is so important. These guys get all these pearls in here and I don't charge them anything. Well, I, <laughs> hopefully they buy the media from me, you know, understand but, uh, that's on the record too. So it's our podcast. <laughs> I can say things like that. So, okay. So we have the media. Well, how much we gonna? How much media do we need? Most homes are seven gallons a minute max. Let's say seven, because right, all the modern fixtures only run at a quarter, three quarters of a gallon a minute. Shower maybe uh, two gallons a minute. So there's not a huge load in a normal modern home. So how do we? I know we have quick kinetics. So there's empty bed contact time involved here. Yes. What should we tell our guys out there? What is a good rule of thumb for a, a residential, say, 20 parts per billion of arsenic as arsenic 5? As I see here that kinetics empty bed contact time is only 1.5 to 3 minutes. That's very, very quick. Yes. And um, I would start right in that range. I think that's a good range. There is absolute third-party EPA-funded um, testing that clearly shows the Metsorb has kinetics well beyond um, activated alumina or, or even iron. It's just extremely fast, which means you can go with smaller beds, mm -hmm. especially if they're just over the MCL and the customer. And that's where the call for... You as dealers, you as distributors, how are you wanting to go to market and deciding a little bit larger system, a little bit smaller system, uh, come in more often, do more testing, 
which is, I know, a valuable part of your business. Mm -hmm. So, but definitely in the 1.5, the three minute maximum uh, for max flow is all you need because most of the time it's going to be much less. And then the only other thing I would consider is when you start going over 50 parts per billion arsenic, then you should look at lead lag to protect the customer so you can test in between. Yeah. And if you're using a single system, you should have a provision of a no hard water bypass or, or no no which will shut literally shut the water off while the unit is in backwash. Now this gives us another thing. This is not a passive media. It does need uh, an occasional fluffing and initial conditioning because it's powdery, ongoing little fluff to keep the bed from channeling. And uh, when I say that, it's very light material. It only needs to backwash what a softener would backwash, say 2.4, right. uh, well, four gallon a minute per square foot, which is yes. in a 10 inch tank, everybody, it's only like 2.4 gallons a minute. So it does need a an occasional uh, backwash to keep channeling from happening. But most of our valves in our industry have a bypass feature, which will allow raw water through during this backwash cycle. So if you're using clack-based material, you would want that no hard water bypass valve to shut literally shut down the house. If you're not going to do that, you have to use twin tanks with twin backwashes and, uh, and make sure lead lag to prevent that from happening. And like Bennett said, high arsenic, you want to keep it, uh, you definitely want to do worker tank, as we call them, and guard tank or lead lag one right after the other. That's very important when you're applying this media. One other thing that was a big eye opener, and we got this media approved in New York State because they thought the backwash water was going to contain arsenic. Uh, you're going to put that down the septic system, and or you're putting it, or you know, I got into this big brouhaha. But I found out that this material is so tight that even during backwash, it will not release the heavy metals, right? No, it will not release it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's important and real important to know. But it's an uphill battle with your state regulators, which uh, Bennett and I have, uh, and uh, Nicole Panisi, uh, we've, we've all worked together from Graver and Graver has been wonderful as far as helping me chip away at the regulators and uh, getting this material approved because I like it so much. Um, obviously, I wouldn't be doing a podcast. So we went through the backwashing. There's no odor aspect and there's no pH reduction, right? You don't get any you know, collateral uh, effects from applying this material. You don't. I didn't quite get oh, that. If you don't get any odor, uh, you know, like say an anion resin. Uh, uh, no, there is no odor. Right. There, there, there is no odor with the media. One of the things that you do need to consider, however, is all wells have bacteria. Mm -hmm. It's inevitable. Uh -huh. It just happens that sometimes those, some of those bacterias and it's very intermittent and well-dependent. There will be bacteria that can grow on the media, just like if it was GAC, same thing can happen there. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And the only thing that's needed to do is just to shock it every once in a while, and you're good to go. Oh, good. Just so we, shock so hydrogen we, peroxide chlorine. Good. So, it, oh, okay. So that material, it won't harm it intermittently like that. Just that's correct. Give it a little that's shot. Huh. That's, that's right. good to know. You see, if, Mm-hmm. If you come up with a customer that says, oh, a few months in, I'm starting to get a smell, you just shock it. And um, and maybe you just go through a process of uh, uh, maintaining that every every so often. Make sure you see and try to find the source of the bacteria. Uh, if it if indeed it's growing that fast, um, they may want to check into that. So and like an anine, like. The other guys, quote unquote, material out there, sometimes will get a pH reduction because it's actually dealkalizing slightly. So this material is pretty much won't do that because it has no other interaction with dealkalization or things like that. It's an adzo. Yeah, pH mm-hmm. pH shifts will not impact uh, adz, uh It will not desorb. Uh, a lower pH is always a benefit for arsenic removal. Okay. Lower pH? Yes. Okay. That's good to know. Well, we can't go below 6.5 because we'll start corroding pipes. But Correct. We, uh, you don't want to see something like an 8.5 versus a 7.0. Uh, That's correct. Gotcha. Gotcha. So we got backwashing. We have kinetics, how we apply it. I focused on arsenic. Now we're working on a, a, some uranium and some radium. I'm excited about the radium, but we have to trial it. Uh, we can't really make any big claims because we know it'll do it, but we still have to officially say it'll do it. But um, what else is this famous for? <laughs> Metzor. Oh, that's that's uh, that that's a really good question. Um, it is famous for lead removal, uh-huh. uh, uh, very extremely high levels of uranium removal. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take a look at the regulatory, uh, the EPA regulatory compliance list out there, there are about 10 different metals that have an EPA limit uh, equivalent to arsenic or lower than arsenic. Mm-hmm. And um, I can call out a few of them right now. Mercury at two parts per billion, where an arsenic's at 10 parts per billion. Mm. Antimony is one at six parts per billion is regulated. Mm. Uh, this, is, this is something I've been em- emphasizing with my distributors mm-hmm. and their dealers is try to get a full water analysis because we all understand there's costs involved so oh let's just go the minimum and we know arsenic is going to be required um so we'll do arsenic there is a whole suite of heavy metals out there that are not good for you and have extremely low epa limits because they're bad Mm -hmm. and so those should always be tested for um get with you on exactly what that list is. I have that list. I have the EPA regulations and it can help you uh, making sure that the customer, your end user has the cleanest water possible. And that's what the beauty of 
the Metzor media is, is it takes up all of these metals all at the same time and not preferentially. Got it. That's a huge positive. And uh, why, again, why we're talking here and why I'm trying to get people introduced to the Metzor of HMRG. And there is some testing companies out there like National Testing Lab. They do a high production, so their pricing is very cheap, uh, relatively speaking. So uh, when in doubt, you could go with them. There's some other companies out there, I think, that are uh, maybe competition for them. But look at the uh, testing. I, I, I preach this in every podcast. Please you know, get a full water analysis because... Uh, ben and I will fire right back. Not enough info, and uh, we don't feel confident. You know, and we don't want the media to fail. Any media, anything we sell, we don't want a failure. So the last part is probably in our industry is one of our, uh, I don't know, quiet things that, uh, that we don't like to bring up, but it's disposal of the media. And we've we've heard all kinds of crazy stories and, uh, you know, activated carbon. We have uh, a service through Calgon uh, that will take back thousand pounds at a time, but it's very expensive initially. Uh, but what about this material? Uh, and tell us about that T-clip, which is it's the toxicity characteristic leaching procedure, leach procedure, TCLP, which I believe this will pass uh, most of the time in with flying colors but who does it do you know who who tests for that and how we can dispose of material out there yeah um you're going into a realm that i i appreciate you are doing and i think i can clear up a few uh, misunderstandings there. Uh, the T-clips are generally done by the same labs that might do water quality analysis because they're actually testing the exhausted media itself to see if certain metals that I already mentioned, arsenic, cadmium, mercury, radium, um, are they going to leach off uh, before or while they are in a landfill? Uh, we have always, always passed the T-clip. And so it is always disposed of in a non-hazardous manner. Now, that being said, T-clips are a regulatory requirement for municipal size systems where you're treating hundreds, if not thousands of GPM going into distribution and uh, serving tens of thousands of homes. That is the norm. When it comes to point of entry, point of use systems, the law does not regulate the disposal um, of private residences and their uh, waste. Mm -hmm. So that is something that I looked into, talked uh, to regulators about and found uh, that regulators are not going to regulate specific private residences on how they dispose of their exhausted media. Got it. Got it. So we kind of got a free pass in that. But, you know, the guys want to sleep at night. And so they could almost feel safe or confident that, you know, this material, if they dug it up in a thousand years, <laughs> they say, well, you know, you know where I'm going, it, that they most likely won't ever come back to these guys and uh, point fingers unless they 
you know, unless it's a thousand cubic feet or a hundred cubic feet, yeah, then you got to start looking at, you know, a big disposal profile. But, you know, cubic foot here and there, it's, it's really um, in, in, in not, a, not a big issue. Right. Specific to private residences. Private yes. residences. And that's what most of my guys use. The second you get into a commercial job, with a regulated drinking water, a DEP uh, focused, uh, where you have to file paperwork and you have to do uh, all your testing and protocols. Okay, game's over. But you have to have make sure it's uh, you dot your t's, cross your eyes, <laughs> as I say, and, uh, <laughs> and and do your due diligence and have a chain of custody, uh, which is real important with carbon. I preach it all the time. So. But uh, at least have the confidence to know that this material uh, really holds on to uh, any contaminant for for a long time. So, well, that's great. We're getting to the end here. I uh, thank you, Bennett and Graver, for having you allot your time and talk to everybody sure. here. We should we have this posted on our website uh, under uh, the product information on urbansaqua.com. So thanks for listening. And as always, trust the frog, everybody. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye.